0: Plant family, we want to thank you for joining us today on this Sunday. We are gathered together to continue down our sermon series entitled, Can't Go Back. Now, why are we talking about this theme, Can't Go Back? Because we are in a situation, in a dilemma, where we're not going to go back to life the way it used to be. We are going to have to learn a new norm. And so, the reason this sermon series is so imperative is because... We see throughout all of scripture that there were moments in person's lives that they were unable to ever go back to what was. And so we want to be able to look at scripture, the lens of scripture, see how God intervened for people to be able to allow them to experience the presence of God and the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit called sanctification. And so our whole sermon series is on sanctification. Now, as you know, I have a guest who is not a guest. She is Sue, my wife, who Welcome. is <laughs> who is actually part of our preaching team here at The Plant. And I know whenever she preaches, people love it. And we had really talked about this opportunity that we could be able to preach together and really do more of a tag team preaching than preaching by ourselves. And we wanted to do this because... The topic we are going to talk about as we're talking about can't go back is we want to deal with the issue of marriage. Now, if you're married, married, <laughs> keep watching. If you want to get married, keep watching. If you're not married, keep watching. Why? Because what we are going to talk about today is circumstances where people together, God had invited them to say yes together, but there were moments in their relationship in which they had said no to God. Now, why is this so important? Because sanctification is part of the marriage relationship. Whether we think that it's only about us in Jesus or our spouse in Jesus, mm-hmm. the truth is God is doing a new work in both of us. We see in scripture that in the very beginning of Genesis, God created man and woman to be together. He created man and woman to be married, that they would be living in a holy, sacred relationship. I even love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five. He says, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Paul talks about the church and how the church represents Christ. And when we talk about marriage, God is doing something not only in us individually, but I believe even more importantly, together. And so as God is working in our lives, we get to show the world a reflection of who he is. And so what we're going to talk about this day is a couple that Sue and I look up to more than any other couple in Scripture. And the reason we look up to them so much is because of two reasons. One, because they said yes to God all the time, or most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time. But whenever they said no to God, they recognized it and allowed God to do something special in their midst. And so we are going to talk about crisis and how crisis affects us. And when we give God our no, we find ourselves in even bigger crises than what we started in.
1: I think it's safe to say that every marriage will go through some kind of crises. And it doesn't mean that it has to be something terrible or catastrophic, but there will be a moment in every marriage that there's a A turning point or a crisis that they have to go through together and you know crisis like Rob said before has the power to to make or break a marriage it really does and statistically we see that and I'll get into that in a little bit but crisis really highlights a couple's strengths and their weaknesses Um, But if you really tap into the crisis and use it as a strength, it really will allow you to lean into each other. And that's what I can honestly say for us that we have really learned is that crisis has helped us lean into each other to know our strengths, to to know our weaknesses, to know when to talk, when to listen. And crisis for us um, in the big picture has been positive. Maybe it didn't always feel it when we were going through it, but it really has. But... On the flip side of this whole thing, crisis can really cause a marriage to have some stress.
0: Yeah, and I wanna just say this. I I think that's one of the things that, we've made a lot of mistakes, but what we have really believed in is that no matter what crisis we are in, God is at work speaking to us. Mm -hmm. Whether he's speaking to me or speaking to you, he's wanting us to respond together. Mm
1: -hmm. So some of the effects that crisis can have on a marriage. um, it places extreme stress on the relationship. There is tension. There is, you know, always a um, this constant place of this discomfort feeling. Um, trust is questioned amongst couples. That's a common thing you hear um, from couples, and we've experienced that. That you you don't trust the person you're with. Maybe you don't like the decision they're making. You just don't feel like you can trust them and give them your heart during a situation. Um, Unfortunately, we do really see that separation and divorce are increased during crisis, and it is the same for families that follow Jesus versus our secular families. They are exactly the same. The divorce rate, I think, during crisis is, if not, it's 50% across the board, but I think it increases for divorce. Um, So that's a really common thing. Domestic violence If you are listening to any of the news about what we're going through now as a country, domestic violence are hugely increased during this whole time. And whenever there is domestic violence, um, it really obviously puts a strain between the couple, obviously, but also on parenting. If there's children involved, and, and then there's this anxiety that starts with children and and a lot of times when kids experience anxiety um, if you kind of keep going they have these fears of of something going on with their family whether they're experiencing or watching a crisis but they it really does affect children so these are all areas that really um crisis can really put a toll on a marriage yeah.
0: and so for us is what we want to do is we want to talk about one couple by the name of abraham and sarah first Abram and Sarai, but God did such a work that when he met them, when they had that salvation moment and they began the sanctification process, God changed their name over time because what sanctification is, it's two things. One, understanding our identity as sons and daughters of God, and two, being set apart for God's holy purposes. And so when we look at this couple, what draws us to Sarah and Abraham is that they were two individuals that were once far from God, who God invited them into a relationship, drew near to God. They were a couple that were willing to say yes to adventure. And for us, if you know the Parkers, we love adventure. And they often, most of the time, time, (laughs) they said yes to God in the adventure that he was asking them to go on. And they they were a couple that truly trusted each other. Again, most of the time. But what I love about Abraham and Sarah is that there's a, a phrase that's used in the New Testament called equally yoked, meaning they were one. And as a couple, one of the things that we have learned is that at first you're two different individuals. But over time, in heart, in mind, in emotions, in really your spiritual oneness, you become one person. And that's the beauty of of marriage. We're we're excited because next weekend, Becky and Pedro are getting married. And and we long for 10 years from now to see how God is uniting them together Mm. and becoming one, one in their relationship with Christ. And so we really get to see this amazing picture of this couple, Sarah and Abraham, that constantly gave God their yes. But what we really wanna talk about today is those episodes when they gave God their no. Mm.
1: Sure. Um, I think for us, we really need to kind of go through our yeses, just to kind of name a couple. Okay, let's you do know, it. If We're gonna be, talk about the yeses first. Yeah. Um, I think the first one which I would love to talk about was um, when we moved to Lake Champion. So we moved to Lake Champion, we were, um, we just had Becky, she was three weeks old, and Rob took a job um, at a Young Life camp called Lake Champion, New York State. And we moved there when she was, like I said, three weeks old, we had Brandon who was 20 months old we were you know overwhelmed had her came home we packed up our apartment and and we moved but that was a perfect example where God was moving us from where we were to somewhere else and we both said yes it wasn't just Rob going for this job because at that point I wasn't going to be working or doing anything but we both said yes God spoke to me I did not want to move to be extremely honest but God told me we had to move, and this is where we had to move. And it was really like a beautiful picture of a couple, a young little family coming together and giving God their yes. Yep. And to be honest with you, when I got there, I still wasn't thrilled about the decision. There was snow up to my hip. I was, you know, a Bergen County girl who now is put into like Sullivan County, New York State, which was not exactly what I was used to. But when we left three years later, um, I, had a really hard time hard that God time. was moving us from there because that was exactly where I felt like God was using us as a family
0: Yeah, and I would say the one time that I really love how we gave God our yes was when we planted the plants uh, It wasn't a Rob calling. It was mm. a and Sue calling. It was God inviting us to a new adventure of planting a church in the county that we both grew up in. And so as much as at times I thought it was more about me and I apologize for oh, that. Honey,
1: it's not just about you. <laughs> it was about
0: both of us. <laughs> and that was one of the things that I love is that mm-hmm. God brought two Bergen County people together mm-hmm. to plant a new gospel expression right in our backyard.
1: And because we gave God our yes, I truly believe this Four Lake champion coming back and giving our yes to here was just part of the journey. Yes. We learned to say yes yes. to the bigger and bigger tasks.
0: Mm -hmm. And so Sue's going to first give you the example of Sarah when she, really the one time she really gave God her no. And she gave God her no several times, but the big one, Mm -hmm. the big one that really stands out in Scripture. Yep.
1: So we're going to look at Genesis, um, Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to read it. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. That's so awesome.
0: That's so messed up.
1: <laughs> so God makes a promise, right? He makes his promise to Abraham and Sarah to provide a child. Um, beginning of a new generation of God's people and it's it's this big powerful moment and, and they share this intimate moment together but quickly as we're seeing, um, they're, they're, at least Sarah's thoughts right now are a little, little convoluted. Um, she's dealing with infertility, she's barren, she's an old lady, right, an old lady but she's well past the years of having children. And um, she's really trying hard. When you look through this whole um, passage and, and really look into Sarah, if you ever do any reading on her, she's really trying hard to trust right now, but it's really difficult. Not having a child, being told you're going to have a child, you're going to be the, you know, the father, the mother of generations, and, and she's unable to have children. Um, God's timing was not her timing. So Sarah decided, and she's fr- frustrated like we get, and impatient, I mean... I can relate to, I said, when I spoke at Mother's Day, I said that I related to her laughing, you know, at what the angel said. I feel the same way now. I can see myself being impatient and and angry and and frustrated. Like, come on, you you decided, you said you were gonna do this. Now, I'm gonna have to decide to take matters into my own hands, and that's exactly what she does. She picks her maidservant, and she gives him to her husband. Now, right off the bat, that is a bold move. I mean, I, I...
0: And let me just stop you right there. And that was a very dumb man to agree to that.
1: I mean, I I don't know what he was thinking, what she was thinking, but, um, you know, clearly not the way it was supposed to go. So obviously, um, he sleeps with her servant and now there's problems. I mean, I wonder why, right? Why would there be some problems? Why would she be jealous? Why would this boat going on? But her impatience, her frustration, They caused Sarah to say no to God, right? To his ability to provide a child. He promised a child that they would be parents to generations and she was frustrated and she was angry. She acted very hastily and didn't give God her yes.
0: And that's one of the hard things is, is that we become impatient with God. Even when we know that God has told us a promise that was going to come Mm -hmm. true. And so I'm just saying, Abraham was messed up to agree to that. And he should I have mean, never have done that. Yeah, she should have never have offered her. And she should have never offered her. I mean, could that. you
1: imagine if her servant was like younger and like, I mean, I'm sure she was. Uh,
0: listen, it's let's just, just let's yeah. go to Abraham. Okay, <laughs> now we're gonna get into some stuff. I trouble, got nothing. Okay, <laughs> Abraham. So Sarah gave God her no. And it's a really serious situation. I mean, imagine the marital tension that came from that. We're we're, we're bantering and we're joking, but but that was a really horrific scene. It was sad. It was sad that she was so much in personal turmoil Mm. that she chose to give that one sacred aspect that God had promised her to someone else. And how often that happens. But you know what? It happened with Abraham too in a different way. Genesis 20, and this is not the first episode that Abraham had made this mistake. This is actually the second mistake, this very same mistake that he already made, he's about to do it again. And what we're learning is that if we don't learn the first time, Hmm. we may do it again. So Genesis 20, verse one and two, Abraham moves south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, she is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. And so in other words, it's very similar to the Sarah and Hagar story. It's very similar to that whole narrative is that the difference is is that Abraham was in fear of those around him. And even though God had taken him on a journey from his homeland to Canaan and to other places and God always was willing to protect him the only time the hand of God was off Abraham is when Abraham took the hand of God off of himself. Mm. And so in this passage, he was afraid of King Abimelech for probably many different reasons. A fierce king, a brutal king, a controlling king. And he was terrified. Maybe he was being impatient. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he was exhausted. Maybe he just had a, a, a moment of weakness, which we all do. And he gave his wife... Just like Sarah had. Just like Sarah. And he gave his wife to the king. And what I find so interesting about this passage, is that King Abimelech actually thought Sarah was Abraham's (laughs) sister, and so he took her home because Abraham gave his wife to this king as a gift, but that night, before they ever slept together, God met Abimelech in his dream, and he warned him of what Abraham was doing. And I find it so interesting how oftentimes in our mistakes, God uses people far from himself to speak to them to protect us. Mm. And so Abimelech never slept with Sarah, Abraham's wife. And God was giving Abraham a second chance. Mm. And so when you look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, it's such a journey of faith with God. But every time they said no to God, what had happened was, it causes frustration and pain amongst the couple. And I think if we really wanna be fair, I, I think what we need to be able to do for, for our people is to really be able to share times where we also have said no to God. Because we have said no to God as well. And we did not say no in this way. You no, know, thank God, and, yeah. I, and I really do mean that. We, we, we have valued certain things so much in our life, even in the toughest times. But there are times that we said no to God, that we had caused pain with one another. Mm. And and I wanna start by saying that the time that I really said no to God was, um, I had an opportunity, a a position that had opened up. And it was something that, that I did wanna do, but I knew that there was going to come travel with it and there was gonna become new stresses. And I was so afraid of hurting Sue, that I gave God my no not trusting that God was up to something in the middle of everything going on. And I gave God my no. And I remember it was about eight months after I said no, I was driving and I I repented and said, God, I didn't trust you in what you were trying to do in the life of Sue and I. And it caused a lot of pain for for me and a lack of trust amongst each other that we had to really process through.
1: Yeah. And even to hear you speak like that is painful because I I feel that pain again. You know, it it was a real, it was our crisis moment.
0: It was a crisis moment. It was a crisis
1: moment of saying no and we found ourselves. But, you know, to look back um, of the times that we've said no, there have been many times, you know. Um, But the big one for me that really sticks out, and, and we've talked about this so many times, was our first year of marriage. We did things very, very fast. fast. We got married, Um, we had children, we moved, we did a lot of big life decisions and choices in a short amount of time. And um, here we are newly married. Uh, There's a lot of new pressures and changes just as being a new husband and wife, learning what that looks like, then having a a baby that um, cried 20 hours a day. And it was really just a difficult time. There were some different family situations going on. Um, you know, a lot of both ends and everything. And there was an opportunity to start fresh,
0: start fresh. right
1: to move and, and yep. start fresh. And um, miscommunication yep. is that the best way to put it? Um led to a lack of trust, which caused a lot of fear to come in and it over like rode any um, opportunity that was presented to us. And it yeah. really it really set us back as a couple, that first year of marriage. Although I look back on it and I'm like, wow, it was such an amazing, you know, our, our journey together. That was a real rough time because yep. after that, um, since we were newly married anyway, we weren't at that point where we were congruent, I would call it, in our yep. decision making and trusting one another. We still had our own selfish ambitions, which we still can now, but yep. it was much more back then. And that really set us back. Um we had to learn to retrust each other again to really learn how to make decisions together with no selfish ambition with it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and I think that's really what we've, why we appreciate Sarah and Abraham so much, is that we look back on their lives and we really have asked the question like, why did they say no to God? And why mm. have we said no to mm. God? And we just wanna throw kind of banter back and forth some of the things mm. why we have said no and why Sarah and Abraham. Uh, first one is, it's, it's a desire for control.
1: Mm.
0: They both wanna be in control. We've both wanted to be in control.
1: Absolutely. Um, for me, I know it's the fear of the unknown, right? That that uncharted territory where you really don't know where you're going. It's sometimes really nice to just be comfortable. Yep. So that's a big one for me. Yep.
0: Another one is, is we don't trust God's big will mm-hmm. and that God will provide, whether emotionally, spiritually, or even vocationally. And here I am in ministry and sometimes I'm like, does God even know what he's doing with the ministry that I'm leading? And there's a real, there's a real lack of trust.
1: Totally, and selfishness. I think that's a big one. Um, I just mentioned that, but you know, you think that you're not selfish. I'll, I'll never forget, and this is a you know going to a side note, but it's our first year anniversary, yeah. and we're sitting having this you know romantic time dinner together, and I look at Rob and I say, "What was the thing that you learned during our first year of marriage?" And he let said, me, "Let me
0: say," <laughs> and I said, "I've realized how selfish I am."
1: That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd be like, how wonderful and madly in love with you I you am. Are. And Which how they were I all true. couldn't live without you. I mean, I'm just yeah. really pumping this yeah. up. But um, after, when he said that initially, it was not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. But as we've grown in our marriage, I've realized that there's nothing more true. That how selfish you realize you are, even when you don't think you are, yeah. that when you have to live with someone, whether it's a spouse, or a ch- your child, or a coworker, for anything, yeah. you realize how selfish you really can be, and yeah. that's something that I really I struggle with.
0: Yeah, we all do, and, and I think the last one is exhaustion. Mm. Um, exhaustion causes you make to causes you to make irresponsible decisions, and whether it's exhaustion from children, exhaustion from vocation, exhaustion from life, exhaustion from COVID nineteen, exhaustion from quarantining, quarantining. Right? Yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. And what I can honestly say is that we have had an amazing COVID season because of how we've wrestled through so many different hard times together. And I'm so thankful for you for that. But exhaustion does throw people off. And it's probably one of the, the most dangerous parts of making decisions when you're exhausted. Um, but remember, marriage is part of sanctification. Marriage is part of God's working in both of us, that we would understand who we are as sons and daughters of God. Mm. And sanctification is this understanding of God has set us apart to be part of his bigger plan. Mm. And I will say this, I love doing life and being a part of God's bigger plan with you more than than anyone I could ever imagine. We actually just talked about that today. And, And so every time we come into a crisis, we need to be able to ask two questions. God what are you saying to me? And and I know I'm repeating myself every single week and I probably sound like a a broken record, but but for that one person who's gonna get that this week, Hmm. you need to hear it. God, what are you saying to me in the midst of crisis? And two, how do you want me to respond?
1: Hmm. And you know, I think God's grace, we have to take into account here because we see with Abraham and Sarah that it is so much more powerful that even when we give our our no um, and we don't walk in obedience to him, he's more powerful, yeah. and he can, you know, take any of our poor decisions and continue to work and accomplish what he wants to do despite our no. You know, yeah. and we see that, the perfect example is really, well, with both stories, both right? Stories. But um, even the Bemelech, like, it came to him that that was, you know, Abraham's wife, not sister. Like, yeah. totally took the, the lie and the deceit and made it right. He spoke to the lie. He spoke to the lie. He spoke
0: to the lie. And that's where we have to understand is God's grace is so big Mm -hmm. because all he desires is that we would learn to walk in faith with him. What made Abraham and Sarah unique is that they were people who walked by faith. Their righteousness was credited to them, it says in scripture, because of their faithfulness. And so in this, both of them together had said yes to God. And whenever they fell, they stood up together. And they
1: recognized they were wrong and they repented together.
0: Seven times a man falls, seven times a a man picks himself up. Mm. And so what we want to do is we want to talk about some applications that we have learned through our journey of of learning to give God our yes after we have given God our no. Mm. Because we want to learn to give God our yes every single time so that we learn to say yes better. And so how do we do that? First, what do we do, Sue?
1: We pray. We pray. Um, we, the one thing that I can really say about this time of COVID and, and quarantining is, we use this as an opportunity to pray. Yeah. And we've gone on many uh, prayer walks, miles and miles and miles of prayer walking. Um, but it is something that we really say, when we are helpless and feel out of control, all that we have left to do is pray. And we really, not that it's our last thing, it's certainly our first thing. But when that lack of control feeling comes, we pray. And you know, um, prayer has been, it's a pattern of communion with God, let's be honest. In scripture it says, Matthew 7 verse 7, it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I feel like during COVID and the quarantining, we keep asking, we keep seeking and we keep knocking. For you, for our family, for loved ones, for people hurting, keep on pressing in.
0: Sometimes I think heaven is tired of hearing us banging on the door. (laughs) And it's so funny because we prayer walk and people see us every day walking and walking and walking and they just think we're getting in shape. But they don't realize that we are crying out to heaven (laughs) for God to give us wisdom (laughs) for what's next. Next is we really have tried and are continually learning to put aside our selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. It says in Philippians two, three through four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Men, it says that we are supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church. I'm supposed to lay my life down for you. Mm -hmm. As selfish as I wanna be, I'm not allowed to be selfish. I'm supposed to surrender my ambition that my wife would be able to see the love of Christ in me, Mm. because that's what needs to be valued most. Mm. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of each other. Mm. Whenever you're in crisis, whenever you need to make tough decisions, we have to put aside our selfish Mm. ambition. So we need to pray first. We need to put away our selfish ambition second. Third.
1: We need to seek counsel together. It is so important to have people in your life whether it is professional counseling, <clears throat> whether it's a relationship with a mentoring couple or peer couple um, that you can go to and trust. In Proverbs nineteen twenty, it says, "Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life." <clears throat> Excuse me. That was something that we really um, figured out during after that low point where we really were kind of lack of trust in each other. We were able to really connect and be vulnerable with a, a good friends, a couple friends of ours. And um, it, it was, we did life together. We yep. were able to talk through stuff together and it was very healthy. It was a safe environment. We could really learn to trust each other. But that was probably some of the most valuable times for our marriage yeah. of learning how to build trust again.
0: Yeah, and, and there really are a couple that we are, I feel forever indebted to. Mm. They were a little older than us and we really did trust one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Fourth, value each other's strengths and recognize each other's weaknesses. There are things about Sue that she has so much more wisdom and guidance than I do, and vice versa. And there are weaknesses that I have and strengths that she has, and we balance each other out. And there are strengths Mm -hmm. that I have and weaknesses she has that we balance each other out. And, And we need to value each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so when there are certain things that need to to have a long-term goal in mind, we sit down and we talk and I really listen to Sue. When there's a moment, we got to trust the gut. Who do we look to? Me. Yep. We trust the gut. But it's not trusting the gut every time, and it's not every single time sitting down making long-term decisions. It's mm-hmm. it's a balancing of both. And so we need to we need to value each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so first we need to pray. Second, we need to put, a, put aside selfish ambition. Third, we need to seek counsel. Fourth, we need to value each other's strengths and weaknesses, and lastly.
1: You really need to trust the decision that you make together. Um, I think that's something that we really have, have learned how to do pretty well, is that once a decision's made, you, you trust the process, and you begin trusting each other, and you can't go back. You know, if you make that decision, you don't live in that what ifs or what could have been, you move forward together. And in 1 Peter 3, 8, it says finally, all of you should be of one mind. And I think that that's something so important that um, you respond to decisions and you make them together. Like we said, we sit down for big things. Um, I don't like to ever go to bed until we've talked about big things till they're done, till they're exhausted. Some of us like it more than others. But, you know, and I think when you said that before, like if it's a quick decision, you make it. But it does really depend on what it is.
0: Yeah, it's true. You
1: know, there's different things that we know, strengths that Rob has that when there's a situation, I'll have to say to him, I I need you to take the lead here. And then there's times that you'll say, I I don't know what to do. Uh, You you have to take the lead, you know? So, I think that's important to really.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important that, that people realize this is 23 years of marriage. And we've had some rocky roads, but, I know that God has allowed 23 years of shaping and molding us for what's next. Mm-hmm. I, I always say when when a new couple gets married that they're really good years. And then they have kids and they're and they're better years. Mm-hmm. But there is a season called the best years. And I feel like we're about to step into the best years. That we've gone through some really good years. We've had a lot of better years, but but the best is yet to come because we've learned to walk through these situations together. And does that mean we're gonna say yes all the time? No, it doesn't. But we need to learn to say yes together and we need to learn to say yes when God invites us to say yes. Mm -hmm. And this is why this is so important today. Yes, we talked about times we've given God our no and Sarah and Abraham giving God their no. But the reason we're talking about this is because God is wanting to do something fresh and new in you as an individual and as couples. That is his sanctifying work through the power of the Holy Spirit that is granted to you because Mm. of your relationship with Jesus Christ. We wanna challenge you that no matter what crisis you may be in or will go through, that this conversation and these five points will help you learn to give God your yes. But the only way to give God your yes is by beginning together to decide to give God your yes starting now. And so here's what I want you to do. During this closing song of worship, if you are married or engaged, I want you to grab the hand of the person that that you are married to or engaged to. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to declare today that, This will be the day that you say yes to God and that you learn to say yes to God together. If you are not married and you are saying, so what does this have to do with me? You have given God your no. And today God is saying, I am giving these examples that you would stop saying no to my voice and begin saying yes. And so my encouragement to you is, is that you would do the same thing and say, God, today I'm beginning to learn to give you my yes.
1: Because giving your yes when you're single just continues to someday if you end up married and have children and on and on. Yeah.
0: And so take this time right now during a song of worship that you would together or you by yourself would give God your yes. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot give God your yes together unless you're willing to give God your yes, yourself. Let me pray. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this day. And God, I thank you for the journey that Sue and I have been on. Today, I specifically told Sue that there is no one else on this earth that I would ever want to journey through life with her. I thank you for 23 years of learning to say yes, and every time we said no, you were faithful to put us back on track. God, I bless the plant family, the plant couples, the plant marriages, the plant people, that they would stop saying no to you and beginning and begin to say yes. Because every time we say yes, we invite the power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit because of our relationships with Jesus Christ to intervene in the here and now. And so bless them, empower them. Give them the endurance and the strength to say yes in the midst of their crisis. And I pray this and declare this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Planned family, I want to thank you for joining us. Remember this, we love you. We are praying with you, and we're praying for you. Have an amazing day.